Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Progressive is proud to honor our veterans by donating vehicles to move their lives forward, especially in times of need. This year celebrates eight years and more than 750 vehicles donated. Learn more about their Keys to Progress program and plans for 2020 at keystoprogress.com. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. It's Monday with Mikey He's Murph. We're back. We talking Raiders and poo-poo dirt. Because it's Mondays with Mikey Murph. We're kind of trying to be a cool Raider talk show. We're going to have good times and fun. Let's go. It's Mondays with Mikey and Murph. So here we are. We're back, my friend. After a loss again, again. I'm kind of tired of losing like this. It feels like a blowout, not a kiss. I want a big victory. Play us on the crowd. Why can't we get it? Why can't we do it now? It's Raider Nation for life. And I want to get in the playoffs tonight. It's Monday. Mikey and Murph, we talking Raiders and football dirt, because we are a new, cool Raider Top Show, we're going to have good times, let's go, it's Monday, with Mikey and my boy Murph, that's right Murph, we had a, you know, let's just call it, I had a sabbatical, I had a major hiatus, and I was unable to get my emotions right, to come back to our show and we were winning during that time and now i come back to the show and we're losing and now my emotions are getting even worse but we're back and i'm proud to see you happy post thanksgiving i'm blessed to have you in my life always and all your advice my dude how you doing I'm doing fantastic, Mikey. Thank you for asking, and glad to be back here on the uh, On Air Nation Mondays with Mikey and Murph show. Man, this is good stuff. Fan, uh, fantastic uh, Thanksgiving. Got a, had a good day of watching football. Man, it was definitely a lot of fun. And Thanksgiving was way more fun watching football than this past Sunday was watching football because that was a bunch of horse stuff. Yeah, uh, there's weeks from Raider Nation. <laughs> there's been a lot of poop talk, whether it be Derek Carr. <laughs> 
there's been a, definitely too much poop. What talk. do you mean? People are talking about Derek Carr on social media and stuff. Pfft, what's crazy? No, no not at all. Not oh, at all. Gosh. What? Okay. What was your What's your favorite Thanksgiving side dish that you had this year? I know we on previous shows we asked what it was. But this year, what was your favorite Thanksgiving side dish that you ate? Yeah, so my Aunt Kathy makes the bomb freaking deviled eggs, man. And those are my absolute favorite. And I, as much as I love mashed potatoes and I love stuffing and I love all those wonderful sides, her deviled eggs, like I could live literally on those as, as a staple of my diet. Like they're just amazing. And I eat them by the, by usually by the, I don't know four or five at a time and like four or five times <laughs> i eat a lot of friggin' eggs you know they're half eggs so it's like you know eh. so you eat like four eggs is like eating two eggs but they're deviled so then there's like an extra maybe so and i know you had some yummy looking deviled eggs too but like that that i'm i like eggs anyways and then like you devil them and they're just they're freaking killer but the way she does it there's something you like you they're like tangy and they're sweet and i could just <laughs> I'm telling you, man. And then she like sends me home with like a plate of them for like leftovers. So like I ate eggs for like four days, man. And like was totally happy with it. It was awesome. I love deviled eggs. It's great for your cholesterol, deviled eggs. They're great. They're great for your cholesterol. That's why you stay on the treadmill, man. So you just kind of flush that stuff through. Mikey Rader doesn't know anything about a treadmill. Uh, but speaking of amazing food, yes, I made deviled eggs with uh, bacon, uh, peaches. I had leftover bacon. And I decided to treat myself. And but I actually made an amazing stuffing. I added sriracha hot sauce. Ooh. I don't know why, but it added like tang tang to the to the stuffing. It, it kind of was interesting. So I kind of enjoyed it, but that's my Thanksgiving dish. That's and legit, I, bro. I like that, man. That's a good idea. I don't know if it is, but hey, the bread or the stuffing took on sriracha, so it tasted like an Asian stuffing. And remember the famous scene in the TV, or the movie Christmas Story, where they didn't have a turkey because the dogs ate it. So they went to the Chinese restaurant and they ate duck and they sang that song, yeah, like in a racist type song. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that was pretty funny, man. That movie's great. I can't wait to watch it in uh, uh, in its uh, perpetuity. Repeat. Yeah, on repeat, repeat. yeah, on, on TBS, yeah, it's always a, always a good time. I love this time of year uh, because football gets toward the playoffs and we find out who teams really are. Teams really are. All right, let everybody know quickly in the beginning of the show about your fantastic channel. You guys did a Thanksgiving show the other day. I call it a Thanksgiving show, but it did really well. And a lot of people tuned in, and you guys are nothing about positivity and love, and I truly love it. And I go to you guys. To calm my nerves, man. Let everybody know what about your channel. <laughs> well, thank you, Mikey. Appreciate that. You can find us youtube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave. That's M-U-R-F-S Fan Cave. And uh, you can you can find our, our live stream there. We usually go on Wednesday nights between like six and seven ish, you know, uh, our central time, which is where I'm at. Uh, so you can definitely check us out there and, and please support us in that way by subscribing to our channel. Uh, that was with Mikey's, uh, um, egging on, uh-huh, see what I did that. Now uh, we started our YouTube channel. We were previously just a podcast network and just went all audio, but Mikey's like, dude, you got to do the YouTube thing. So we started doing it and it's one of our favorite things. Now we have an awesome chat room an awesome community, uh, much like the one here with Mondays and Mikey and Murph. So definitely check us out there youtube.com slash murphs fan cave and support us in that way and thank you very much all information will be below on how to contact murph on his off stage and bother him all information is below <laughs> to mess with murph's 
yeah, mess job with or his free time or whatever. All right, no pun intended. Uh, it's time for the headlines, deadlines, breadlines. Murph, I, I probably won't have to pay rent much longer at my facility, but I'm going to end up paying more rent at another facility probably next year, and I don't want to do it. You're just changing out rents, man. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to talk about rents. All right. Murph does not have the video on screen because, like always, we have internet low issues. And you guys always say he didn't pay his bill. Well, if I didn't pay my bill, it would have been cut off. <laughs> so you wouldn't even see us. So I paid my bill. Watch. All right. It's time for the headlines, deadlines. We're going to talk about some topics that interest me and Murph. And we're going to get our. Let's call non-expert fandom opinion on these topics. I would like you guys to chime in. I just want to let everybody know some of these topics will be cut up for content for our channel um, with different titles so people can realize what type of a show we got going and what we're trying to do and produce on this channel and all that other stuff. So that being said, <clears throat> let's get into the first topic. All right, here it is. Um, Mike Mayock is, has a fantastic rookie class going in his first year as a general manager. Uh, the jury was out on Mike Mayock before he became the Raiders general manager. He got a lot of hatred here, whatever, because he came from the reach of television. And they didn't know he had it in him. And he was thrown into the mix with Antonio Brown and issues like that from the go. And now this rookie class, even though there's a few injuries, is shaping up to be very needed, very well performed, and it might be one of the best rookie clashes the Raiders have had in the previous, let's call it maybe 15 to 20 years. So the question I ask you and me, Murph, is <clears throat> will Mike Mayock be the best Raiders general manager ever? Well, the short answer to the question is no, because Al Davis will always be the greatest general manager that the Raiders have ever had. So when you look at Al Davis and his tenure uh, as the general manager, he went from 1963 to 2010. Granted, he held many titles, head coach, uh, managing general partner, owner, which really was just managing general partner, but or minority owner. Um, but so when you look at that, Al was the man. Like, so when you look at three Super Bowls, you look at the litany of Hall of Famers that wore the silver and black. Like, there's, it's going to take Mike Mayock an awful long time to get anywhere close. Now, in terms of people that have held the position outside of Al Davis, um, there's an argument to be made, even this early on, based on the success of this draft class. Uh, you know, Reggie McKenzie hit on some players, but he also whiffed on an absolute ton and absolutely whiffed on his uh, on his on his free agent acquisitions. Then you have Hugh Jackson, who is kind of like a midterm based on when Al passed away. The infamous Carson Palmer trade. I think Mike Mayock, we can clearly say, has done a better job than Hugh Jackson did. And then the the other guys, you got to go back like before Al, Chet Soda, Paul Hastings, Wes Fry. Like these are guys that you know you're talking about held the position for like a year and were relatively ineffective until Al Davis got there. So to answer your question, is he the second best general manager the Raiders have ever had? I don't know. Maybe. Like, we'll see, because it's hard to evaluate a draft class until you get three to five years outside of it. But as of right now, it's looking pretty good. So, I mean, at, you know, 12 games in, yeah, he's doing a pretty bang-up job, I think. So, right on, Mayock. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a weird question to ask, but then I've just been so proud of what I've seen for some of these players and what they're saying in the media in players like Josh Jacobs and, and you know, the future of Jonathan Abram and stuff like that, that I just I just thought I would ask this question because it, it looks really good. You know, the way yeah. he handled the Antonio Brown situation with the racism or whatever might have happened or could have happened, and it just looks really good, but... I don't like some of his moves in free agency this season with all our injuries. Um, some of the players that are being brought on, they're not even getting on the field like Preston Brown and Gunther Shishtam. And, and then they're released two days later like Brandon Marshall, you know, bringing Brock back here and forth. But, okay, back to the question. Yeah, but look at, what not- he, look at what he's done with the offensive line. Though. We're going to talk more about them later. But, look, just the addition of Richie Incognito and Trent Brown to that offensive line, like all of a sudden we've – you know, the offensive line is not the problem anymore for the Raiders. Like we went from Derek Carr went from 51 sacks last year and he's at 18 now. And he's probably on, on pace to like have less than half as, of what he had last year. So, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. So, I mean, he's, he, he actually's done pretty well. I mean, Mayock has done you like, cause you're going to miss on some, you're not going to hit on every single little thing. So on the ones that he, he's hitting way more than he's missing. And I think that if you're a general manager and you can do that effectively, then you're doing a bang up job. Yeah, that's one heck of a point. But you got to also remember, Mayock is an evaluator, not as a GM of NFL football players in free agency. He basically studies colleges and young players more so than free agents or players that are always on the team. I think that's why he might be making mistakes, whatever, like with Jay Jones or whoever else. But he comes from the college background. So, you know, he definitely knows a lot about, you know, college players coming into a system and I'm really proud of that but I, I forgot about how Davis being a general manager thank you for that so now my answer will be no <laughs> you know I, I was actually gonna say yeah I think Mark will end up being the best Raider general manager ever because we're in a new football era I mean everything is changing penalties players athletic ability laws penalties rules and I think Mike Mayock is on the cusp. Like, he's like a young old man, you know, like he's in social media and he understands the new NFL of today. And I think moving forward, I can't say ever because we don't know who we're going to have, but I think he's going to be really, really damn good. And I think he's going to lead us to a Super Bowl. What do you think, Mike? I mean, Mike, what do you think about Mike leading us to a Super Bowl, Murph? Yeah, well, I think he's going to get us enough, the players to to compete, you know, and I think that's what it all comes down to. And now, and now let's not skate over another name, though. Let me, let me, you know, give it justice here. Ron Wolf was Wolf. very important to the assemblance of talent for the Raiders and as an advisor, and I don't even know what his titles were, you know, director of player personnel maybe or something like that. But anyways, as an advisor to Al Davis. So, you know, Ron Wolf had a very significant role in terms of acquiring talent and building the roster for the Raiders. So I don't want to move past that in terms of what his impact was, but he never had the title. He never had the title of GM. Only a handful of the guys that I ran down earlier had that title. So, but to answer your question, is this the guy that's going to get, I mean, all signs look good now. I mean, you know, Reggie did a great job of getting us freed up of all of the 
kind of rough contracts that the Raiders had there for a while that Al Davis left us with when he passed away, uh, the ramifications of the Carson Palmer trade and all the dysfunction that was going on in terms of the, the structure of the contracts and, and what we had to acquire talent. Reggie got us healthy there, and then here comes Mayock to kind of like pick up from there and, and take us to the next stage. And I, th- I think he can be the guy, man. And, you know, it's, it's a rare talent. It's a rare talent to be able to evaluate uh, player performance and whether it's collegiate or I think, and I, I think players are players. I think that he's equally as talented in evaluating free agents. I think he's just limited to what he can do because he's only got a certain amount of money to spend and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, you can't just go out and haul off and get the greatest players, you know? Um, so in those terms though, yeah, I, I don't have any reason to feel less confident about him uh, than anybody. And I feel more confident about him than I did Reggie McKenzie. And you know what? And if anything, and since we're just kind of on the topic, I like Mike Mayock as a guy, like as a, um, as a representative of the Raiders, you know, it was like Reggie was just so quiet and reserved. And it was like, he would come out like once or twice a year and have a press conference. And then he would go away again. And you like, you never knew what was going on with the Raiders. Now it's like, and granted Gruden's a big part of that too, but like with Mayock, like he's out front, like he's doing interviews, like he's doing a appearing on sets when the Raiders have a home game. And like, he's just out there and talking about the team. And as a fan, I just eat that stuff up. Cause I want to know, well, you want to know what all the proverbial use out there. You all want to know what's going on with the team. And so like having somebody like Mayock, that's not uncomfortable in front of the camera because he's been doing it forever. Like he's just willing to come out and wear his little hat and talk about the Raiders. Like, that's awesome, man. I just, I dig. And then even one more, I'll give you watching him in the stands. Like we, how often did we see pictures of Reggie McKenzie in the bio, in the box at a home game? And he was just sitting back with his freaking twiddling his thumbs with his hands on his chest. And Mayock is like up, he's pacing, he's walking around. He's got his hands on his knees. Like he's into it, man. And like, that's, I don't know. So I just, I'm a big fan of the guy. I think he's taking us in the right direction and, and I've already said enough. So anyways, rock on. Yeah. And I'm proud of him, too. He was the first person that finally spoke to the Rare Nation and media about Antonio Brown. On He finally came out and said, look, Antonio's not shutting up. This is what's going on. I'm going to be the bad cop. I'm going to let everybody know. And he took on that responsibility. And now, because Gruden wasn't saying anything, it was just nice to see them or him do that, you know, like out of respect for Gruden and everybody else and which is now we don't know the truth about it. So good job. All right. So let's move on. Speaking of one of the players he brought on, Josh Jacobs is having a fantastic season. Nonetheless, he just eclipsed the thousand yard mark in yesterday's game. And he is now the first Raiders rookie to have over a thousand yards since I believe it was did they mention what Darren McFadden? I'm bad with catch and stuff like that. But it's been a few years since we've had an actual Raider player. It was Latavius Murray over was a thousand like, yards. Yeah, Murray what? was the last one, I think, in 2015, I want to say, something like that. Might have been 2016, whatever it was. But Latavius Murray, I believe, was the last player we've had go over a thousand rushing. Yeah, and then didn't Darren McFadden as a rookie have over a thousand yards in his rookie season? I don't believe he did. No. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. So, again, he's possibly the first rookie since Marcus Allen, maybe, <laughs> for a Raider to have over 1,000 yards. Murph is going to get on the stats. That's what Murph does. Murph's getting on them stats. But Josh Jacobs is having a fantastic year. 
And um, I really loved what he said in the press conference the other day. He kind of mentioned that the team and some people gave up in the Jets game. And he was proud that the team did not give up versus the Chiefs. That kind of scared me when I heard that he thought some of the players gave up. Or, But that scared me. But long story short, um, will he be the offensive rookie of the year, Murph? For the entire NFL. Yes. Double back real fast. Darren McFadden only had 499 yards rushing in his rookie season. Because wasn't he? didn't he get hurt? Like, I think he only played like 13 games. Uh, he didn't play a full season that year. And he didn't play a full season, I don't, maybe ever, until maybe the last year with the Raiders. <laughs> like, seriously, like, I don't, like, I learned about what a list Frank injury was because of Darren McFadden and plantar fasciitis and all that. Remember, like, like I don't think he played a full season in his Raider career, except maybe like the last year. But anyways, but so he only had 1,000-yard season. I know that for sure uh, with the Raiders, and it definitely wasn't his rookie year. So um, yeah, I don't know if any other Raider rookies has had 1,000 yards in their first Well, and I, I think Marcus was on pace to do it, but they, he was in the strike-shortened season. So I think he only had like nine games. So it's something like, I don't know, somebody in the chat knows, and they're probably yelling at their screen, and that's okay. But it's something to that effect. <laughs> All right, so, uh, but to, uh, so will Josh Jacobs win the rookie of the year? Offensive rookie of the year. Yes. Uh, by process of elimination, I think that's where you arrive. Like, so when we look at who's out there, uh, DK Metcalf, uh, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, like there's, there's, there's a handful of guys, uh, but I think it comes down to Kyler Murray and Josh Jacobs and Josh Jacobs is now literally running away with it because although he had a little bit of a challenge there, in the Jets game where he didn't have the game that he or any of us wanted him to have. That's been his only blip on the radar. The rest of the time, he's been very productive and a very good player, uh, much more consistently productive in terms of numbers and can contribution than what Kyler Murray has been. Kyler Murray had a rough game last week. So I think that just by looking at if it's a two horse race between those two guys, I think that Josh Jacobs is clearly uh, going to be the favorite. And I don't know what the Vegas odds are, but I'm going to guess that he's at least minimum tied with Kyler Murray uh, for odds to win it. So I, I think that it's got to be him. Well, fantastic. <clears throat> Excuse me. Fantastic take. Yeah. Kyler Murray, you know, I just, I'm going to mention popular offensive players, Marquise Hollywood Brown, uh, you know, uh, Kyler Murray. And then I really can't think of anybody else. Devin Singletary, a couple other running backs for other teams like Buffalo Bills or the Bears, or I just, again, I'm going off the top of my dome and I can't think of anybody that's having a better year offensively production wise, whether it be wide receivers, running backs, or even quarterbacks than um, Josh Jacobs on what he's meant to this team in establishing a run game and going over a thousand yards as well. So I could see the consensus being Josh Jacobs is definitely in the top three and he should win it unless something happens in the next four weeks where Kyler Kyler Murray, because the NFL loves quarterbacks, unless he goes on a run and wins four in a row by scoring 30 points or more in every game, I I, I see Josh Jacobs winning the, the title. Proud to see. All right, let's move on to the next subject. Uh, here again. All right, this was announced a couple weeks back, and we finally got to the story, but Christopher Knox listed the worst contract on every NFL roster. And then he went to say for the Raiders roster, offensive tackle Trent Brown has the worst contract on the Raiders roster. And here's his little tidbit. 
After spending the season on New England, starting left tackle Brown signed a four-year, $66 million deal with the Raiders. Brown is carrying a hit of $15.25 million this season. That's the highest among tackles in the NFL. Among right tack and its highest cap hit among right tackles at eleven point nine million. Brown cap number jumps to twenty one and a half million next year. Now the story's got different because the Philadelphia Eagles re-signed an offensive player to now the highest paid offensive player contract or t- uh, offensive line player contract in the NFL. So Trent Brown is no longer the highest paid. Uh, player on the offensive line anymore. But a lot of people have been clamoring because of the recent loss about Derek Carr and his contract. So I asked the question, is Brown the worst contract on the Raiders? And if not, what would you personally consider the worst contract on the Raiders, Murph? All right. So I think that it's, this is a, a tricky one, and you know I don't like to ride the fence on answers. I like to give like a this or that. But there is, I think, an additional portion of this that we need to consider, and so I'm going to kind of hedge a little bit. Yes, I think that on paper it shows to be disproportionate compared to other right tackles in the league. But when you look at what the Raiders' needs are, and when we all look back at our the, the glory of the 2016 season, like we all remember, because we were all going to win the Super Bowl, we were running away with it, right? Uh, what was the one big thing about that offensive line was and, and that team was that Derek Carr didn't get sacked. He got sacked 16 times uh, throughout the entirety of that season. The one dreaded sack that Trent, um, uh, Donald Penn gave up to Trent Cole uh, that, that took us out and, and took away any chances we had the postseason. But that said, the 16 sacks, if I'm not mistaken, a majority of them came from right tackle. If you think about how great that offensive line was, well, yeah, four to five because Austin Howard sucked. So there was a big gaping hole at the right side. And if you then fast forward to last year, what did we have? We had Brandon Parker over there. Like it was a 51 sacks Raider nation. Remember that when our quarterback got put on his ass 51 freaking times, like, so we spent a lot of money on Trent Brown. And now here we are. Derek Carr's only been put on his, on his culo there 18 times, probably going to be put on his culo less than 25 times this season. That's less than half of last season. So how much, emphasis do you put on protecting your franchise quarterback how much emphasis do you put on reducing his sack total if that's worth 25 million dollars to you in terms of a cap hit well then it's not a disproportionate contract it may be disproportionate in terms of right tackle compared to other teams but i don't give a crap about that all i care about is keeping our quarterback healthy which they've done a pretty freaking good job of doing so yes it's disproportionate is it the worst though I don't know. I would think that arguably Derek Carr's is worse now. Like, oh, what? Yeah. Oh, well, goodness gracious. I mean, look at what we're doing here. Now we're protecting him, and now we're still making mistakes. Like, uh, okay. Yeah. Like, that's a topic for a, a thing. We'll, we'll breach that later. But uh, no, I don't think – I think it's disproportionate, yes, but I don't think that it's out of line considering the increase in production and the value that we're getting for those dollars spent. 
Yeah, it's 15 million, not 25. It's 15 million this year for Trent Brown cap hit and 21. 21. That's the one I meant. Yeah. Yeah, no, but you know, I really love your take on it. I think I think you're done right. Uh, but so what officially is your just off of your brain? What is your or your dome? I don't know the word off the top of your head without looking up stats or facts. What's your worst yeah. contract? Well, you know, I don't think they have any bad ones. I mean, because look, as much as I, you know, just kind of took a shot at Carr there, I mean, that's what you pay your franchise quarterbacks now in today's NFL. So it's not like, you know, and he was the highest paid player in the NFL or quarterback in the NFL for about eight minutes, right? Like, so I don't think they have any really goofy contracts. I, I, I really don't. I think that we're very healthy in those terms. So, I mean, if I had to pick one based on the production or the win totals that have resulted in it, I'd probably point a finger at Derek Carr, but I, but I still, but I don't, I don't think that's a bad contract. I just think that if you, yep. you just got to pick something, well then, okay, I'll pick that one just because there are other teams out there that have rookie quarterbacks or, or guys that are playing on much lesser contracts that are producing a lot more. So that. Yep. I, I agree. I mean, you know, we can all question Derek Carr's contract for $20 million, basically a season. Uh, they say it's like twenty five million a year, but it's really not. Are we gonna, twenty million a year? Are we going to talk about car at all later? Um. All right. Let me. Let me. Let me. Can I jump in with something then? That's contract yeah, related. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're going to do that. I didn't want to jump on the car train because I'm. I'm tired of hating everybody. Murphy. All right. Well, and I and I. You guys long know me that I'm a. I'm a. I'm a bootlicker and I'm an apologist and I'm all those things, right? But I think that after this weekend, Derek Carr finally got to a position where he's losing the middle. You have the car haters, and then you have the car stands, as the kids call it, right? So you have, you have, you have, you have those two. And then in the middle, you got all of us there in the middle that just want the Raiders to win. And we love his leadership, and we love his character, and we love all the things about Derek Carr, except him throwing pick sixes and throwing interceptions in the end zone and fumbling through the back of the end zone and all those things that are crucial to the, the, to the game and, and have a tendency to kind of turn the momentum against the Raiders, and we lose. So, uh, so those people that are there in the middle, this game, really, the last two games, you're losing people now, Derek. You're losing us. Okay, so if are you losing us and are you losing the confidence of your general manager and your head coach? If that's the case, Mikey, and here's where it becomes contract-related. If that's the case, when you look at Derek Carr's dead cap number, so when you look at Raider Nation, we look at their cap number, right, which is what their salary counts towards the percentage of the total salary cap. Then you have your dead cap. Dead cap is when you get rid of that player, you move on from that player, they get hurt or you trade them or whatever. It's actually less than that. That number goes from like, he went, yeah. So he went from like $40 million to like 30 or 20 or whatever. And next year, that dead cap money is 5 million bucks. So if he's lost the confidence or at a minimum lost confidence to where they're now willing to draft a player with an extra draft pick, we got two number ones and we got three number threes. There's a lot of room in there to draft a quarterback, especially one to develop and play behind Derek Carr for a minute. And what if that guy outshines Derek Carr? What if that guy challenges Derek Carr for, for a position and then the Raiders want to make a trade? I don't know. to Chicago. <laughs> You with me? Five million bucks is all accounts against caps. What I'm saying is this, Raider Nation. I'm not ready to run Derek out of town yet, but I'm a lot closer than I ever have before. And that I will, I will, I will support him and root for him until the day he doesn't wear silver and black. But as of right now, Derek, you're losing us. You're losing Raider Nation. Just a bit on that, and then I'm gonna move on with the worst contract. Okay. But could you imagine that scenario where they do draft a quarterback? 
an athletic, you know, today's NFL, Patrick Mahomes, LaMarcus Jackson, or whatever their names are. Uh, I I could see Derek Carr being traded to the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I, that's a scenario well, that I could see happen because if Philip Rivers sucks and he says no, Derek Carr, I could see that happening. If they trade him within the division because Denver needs a quarterback too. If they trade him within the division, that's the most gangster ass thing that John Gruden will ever do. It's oh just like God. when he traded Gary and Conley to the Texans the week before we played him, because he was like, well, we're not going to worry about that guy. Well, if he trades Derek Carr inside the division, that's like the ultimate bitch slap. Like, I mean, I seriously, like, I can't think of anything more disrespectful to the man's game than like, yeah, go ahead. We'll see you twice a year, Derek. Like, whoa. So I don't, I don't think that would happen. I think he'll end up like, I, I really wasn't, I'm only half kidding when I say Chicago because they need a freaking quarterback and him and Mac can go be boyfriends again. Like, go ahead. You know what I mean? Like scary though. It, That's scary. Then it's out of the mean, conference. He's out of like, he's out of sight, out of mind, man. Like, and then you move on to Jalen hurts or whoever else it is out. Uh, Justin Herbert, or there's no shortage of quarterbacks coming up, man. Anyways, that's a whole nother conversation. Let's hear no, about it's just your very, very interesting, but, but would be gangster. That's like John Gruden in the Super Bowl versus the Raiders. Yes. He knew where he knew Rich Gannon so well and play calls and he keeps on the ball. Gannon keeps on the ball. Like he knew what's, that would be gangster from Gruden, Heck and yeah, I hope it would. happens. I kind of hope it does too. Like, I kind of like if look if we're gonna do that, then like yeah, because you know what? That's that's Al Davis. Like that's the Raider mystique. That's the Raider mentality. It's that you know what? We're we're not afraid of you. We're not scared of you. And it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Like that would just be a boss move, man. Like I'm, but wouldn't I, I'm just saying this. I've never been that guy. I'm not the guy that goes like, we need to trade this person or that person. It's not Madden. It's a different thing. But when you think, but I'm a, I'm a numbers guy and I'm a reality guy. And when you start crunching numbers together, then the story tends to form itself. Well, so this year would never have made sense for them to move on from Derek Carr. Everybody was like, they're going to draft Kyler Murray and they're going to do this. They're gonna... No, they're not. They had too much of an investment. You got to look at the value. Well, now the value goes way down here. So now you can actually make a move. So if he's losing them or if he's not producing in the way that they want him to produce, I'm just saying there's a conversation that could possibly happen. I'm, it's, we're way far away from that. Let's win yep. four in a row. Let's go 10 and six and make the playoffs. And then all this goes away. But as of right now, you're losing Raider nation. Okay. That's it. I'm done. Let's go. Let's go. No, I love it. I love it. That was a great conversation. I just wanted to give respect to Joshua Hughes. You donated uh, money and you asked a question and we will get to that in our fan segment in, in, in a little bit. We will get your question per your donation. I promise you guys in our fan segment. All right, real quickly, my worst contract on the Raiders roster is LaMarcus Joyner at $10 million a year. Uh, they played him at, at cornerback or so, then safety, which he was a Pro Bowl safety with the Rams, and it ain't panning out, and it doesn't seem to be worth $10 million, let alone $2 million. That's my worst contract. All right, let's move on to the road to Canton. The modern era player semifinalists were just announced. Um, I will try to get this on screen. Maybe you can see it, Murph. But the modern era semifinalists, the clash of 2020, the semifinalists were announced. And I don't think there's any Raiders beyond Richard Seymour. 
Do you feel that there was any snubs if you can read the list on screen? Yeah, I got Richard, it. Yeah, go ahead. Richard Seymour is the uh, apparently own Raider that played for the Raiders that I could see on there. Um, anybody that was snubbed from your perspective? Well, yeah, Cliff Branch. I mean, it, does he qualify that as the, as what, what these players are? Modern, yeah, they call it a mo- again. The, the damn Hall of Fame is now turned into old players, legacy, and now modern error. What, what is modern error? Fifteen Ye- years? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. I don't because I, I know they're changing the criteria and they're expanding it and they're making it to where more people get. So, and the, in terms of the old, like, I don't know how this works. So I don't know. These are these are guys that. Are they coming up for their first time? That I don't think so, right? Because Atwater would have been around for consideration long before. So I'm going to say uh, it, Cliff Branch, if he's not eligible in another category, and that's where I'm going to I'm going to you know clarify my answer here. There may be another category where he's up, just like Flores is or whoever else. So if that's the case, then ignore everything I'm getting ready to say, Raider Nation. But Cliff Branch to me is the biggest omission. Bigger than Plunkett, bigger than Flores. And now that's debatable and people want to debate and whatever. But I, when you look at Flores in, the, in, in, in a vacuum and you just look at his Raider career, very nice. But then he had those seasons in Seattle where it was terrible. And, and, and unfortunately, the Hall of Fame is going to consider everything, the entirety of their career. They're not going to look at it uh, in isolation and just look at the Raiders. But Cliff Branch, when you look at him and his Raider career versus his peers, Stallworth, um, you know, Mercury Morris, uh, you know, Lynn Swan, whatever. Those guys from his era, he blows away a lot of their numbers or is at a minimum on par with all those guys and has three championships. So what the hell, Hall of Fame? Like, why is Cliff Branch? Like, that to me is the by far since Stabler got in. Now it's Cliffy. And with Cliff passing away recently, I mean, I mean, shame on them if he's not in. And so, again, I don't know if he would be on this list or another segment because of the way they're broken up now, but that's the guy to me that if I'm going to bang the drum for any Raiders, and I know a lot of you love you, Tom Flores, and you, heck, I just met him a couple weeks ago. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> wow. Tom Flores and, and, and Jim Plunkett, I, I get it, and I understand your reverence for those guys, but Cliff is the man. Like, let's get Cliff in first, and then we'll move on, even though, you know, Flores is getting up there, and you want to see him get in before he passes or things like that. But uh, it's got to be Cliffy, man. Yeah, they probably call the modern era. I'm going to have to look into it. Probably from 2000 on, you know, like the previous 15 years before five years of waiting. So probably 20 years prior. Whatever. Richard Seymour, good luck. Um, I, I, I don't know if you're getting in there for your Patriots wins. Or whatever, but probably not the Raiders. He's a good poker player, though. Now, but you're right. Cliff match to the Hall of Fame posthumous. What do they call it? Post posthumous. Posthumous. I don't know. Posthumorous. What... <laughs> <laughs> I'm stupid with that word. Who cares? Let's move on. All right, let's revisit this because the game is coming up. The Raiders have a tradition of lighting the torch in Oakland, and beyond them moving to Vegas, are I don't know if they're going to fly the torch out. The actual torch they did in London. They literally took the dang torch from Oakland to London, the London game, and they lit it there. So we're calling it the final, not the final torch, 
We're calling it the final Oakland Flame. And the question was asked a few months back, who should be the person or people to light the final Oakland Flame? But now they've recently added 10 different people to light it. And I've seen like they had Raider Wretch and all that. So I asked you the question, and you just showed an amazing picture. Who in the Jaguars game should light the final Oakland Flame for the last time? Uh, Gabby John Madden. I think it's that's it starts and stops there. Now I don't know what coach's health is, and you don't see him around uh, as much. Even you know after he retired and after he got his Hall of Fame induction and all that, you'd still see him once in a while show up on a you know a, a, a game day morning thing or something or whatever. But we hadn't heard from coach in a long, long time, so I don't know how his health is. Uh, but assuming um, that he's uh, well enough to get out and to move around, um, then it's got to be Madden. Like I mean, who else? is more iconic to that building than Madden right now in terms of living like, cause Flores was not Flores was LA, you know? And I know he's got, no, don't hate on me right I know he's got an entire history with Oakland. I get all that, but really where he cemented his legacy was black Sunday, 1983 or 1984. Uh, you know, that's that tw- January 22nd, 1984. That's what cemented Tom Flores in, in Raider lore. It was a Los Angeles Raider. It wasn't as an Oakland Raider. John Madden cemented his legacy in that freaking building. So I think that's got to be the guy outside of that. I mean, in terms of the, the ones that are still living, I mean, Art Shell, Fred Bolitnikoff, like they've already done it though on a couple yeah, of occasions. Yeah, that's so. I mean, you know, Shell was there when I would say Willie Brown, but Willie's passed. You know, Shell was there when we were at the game. Uh, when uh, right after Willie passed, um, Art Shell was the one that did his uh, memorial at halftime, which was amazing, and all the Hall of Famers were down there, Ted Hendricks and all those guys. Um, so I'm just trying to think of somebody that's synonymous with Oakland that carries the amount of gravitas. I mean, I got, it's gotta be Madden. Like I don't, there's no, like I can try to talk my way into other people, but I always come back to John. Very interesting. Again, this topic can be answered multiple ways by any person in their opinions. Um, but they've, they've kind of showed that they had propensity to have big groups like it in recent months. Have I the, think this, go for it. Have the living Hall of Famers? Is that it? Very interesting. I was thinking the fans somehow, like, you know, the super fans, like Violator, Gorilla Rilla. I mean, Violator can't even afford, from an article re- recently written, that they can't even afford season tickets to the New Vegas Stadium game. And will there be a black hole there? We don't know. There's a lot of an- or questions to be answered. But I think it should be the fans somehow and or the entire Raiders team from this season that is literally the last Oakland Raider team. I mean, maybe bring all of them, Gruden, Mayock, every player that's going to play that last game, whether it be practice squad as well, bring them all up there, man. Celebrate the final game in Oakland as an entire team and that you're going to move on. Uh, that was just an interesting thought. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's, I, I like it. as I long hope. as it's reverent to the history of the those people in that building. Then I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's the final Oakland team as well. So 
Kind of interesting. All right, let's bring on the big subject. This is the big gun, the big topic of the day. Right, we are now two years basically into the Khalil Mack trade, and they ask the question. Uh, we're not really two years in, it's like a year and a half or more, but I'm gonna call it two years. Two years into the Khalil Mack trade that probably 75% of Raider Nation hated. Who is winning the trade for Khalil Mack deal? The Raiders or the Bears? Take it away, Murphy. Well, I think that it's easily for me that it's the Raiders. And I've thought this from day one. And I was never one of I I hated to see Khalil Mack go. I, I hated it because of how good he was. And I thought that he represented the team well, and he was just a beast, man. Like he was an easy guy to root for. Uh, so I hated to see him go. But when the numbers and the the terms of his holdout and all that stuff came to light, I lost some respect for him, the way that he treated the organization for somebody that was supposedly all in. And um, and then when I look at the numbers, like it's just bad business. And so I understood why they let him go. And then when you looked at the bounty that they acquired by letting him go and then capitalized on it, I think that it's absolutely the Raiders. So when we look at, you know, like we, Jonathan Abram, who we've sadly, you know, he's, he's been hurt for the year, but, but one-to-one, it was Josh Jacobs, right? Offensive rookie of the year potential that we're talking about. So you got him. And then now next year, we've got another first round pick. So here we are. If there's a controversy for quarterback, well, now we've got a pick to not only take that quarterback, but also take a number one wide receiver to give him a target. Like what a concept. So when you look at the amount of talent that we've acquired in the deal and what the production has led to. So just the other day, it was, might've been a week or so ago at some point, the, the Raiders had equal amount of sacks of 25 to the bears 25. And we were two games better in terms of record. So you look at those things and, uh, you know, Chicago had to pay, not only did they give up all that, that those draft picks, but then they had to pay him. And now they've got a quarterback controversy and guess what? They're going to now have to draft another rookie quarterback because they can't afford to pay a veteran quarterback because they've paid all of their big veteran money to their freaking defensive end. That has, you know, again, with him and the collective team, the same, uh, sack output as the Raiders. So I think that even this early on, and now you granted you said we're a year and a half or so out of it. Yeah, but even now, I mean, yeah. And we haven't even seen this thing fully play out yet. We still got to see what this this draft turns out to be and next year's draft turns out to be. So like, we can really truly evaluate this like three years from now. Like that's crazy. So th- that's the, how big the ramifications of this deal were. And look what it's done to Chicago. Like, look what it's done. Like, it didn't help them. It hurt them, just like it would have hurt us. So I think the Raiders won. Correct. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I was like pissed off for a good while as well. I'm going to have to two years in, 100% the Raiders won this trade, are going to win it, and we're, all, we're not even two years in. And here's the reason why I think the Raiders won this trade beyond me even being pissed off about it. It's because we got young players in Abram who look quality for the future. He's going to bring a toughness 
we weren't able to see it all this year, but we, we saw some of it on Hard Knocks and this first three games, and we know that he's got a bright future in terms of toughness. Then on top of that, we got Cleland Farrell, who's been playing a lot better in recent weeks as he's finally figuring it out little by little. Again, I'm not, I know these all specifically come from the exact draft, uh, you know, picked for Khalil Mack. But I'm just talking the young players, you know, that we acquired by trading all of these people. Then we got Josh Jacobs. Is Josh Jacobs, Murph, I'm going to ask you this. Is Josh Jacobs the actual pick from Khalil Mack? Yeah, I, I believe it is. Yeah, it is. It's Josh Jacobs. Yeah. So there it is. We won our, we got a thousand yard rookie. He's the foundation for our offense. He has technically won us six games to this point because of his running the offense. Khalil Mack and the Bears probably only have six wins. Did he win every single one of those games, being the foundation for the defense for the Bears? No, they won it on offense a game a couple weeks ago. So, therefore, Josh Jacobs, the actual pick, is a better foundational player for our offense than our defense. Then on defense, as Murph uh, eloquently stated, they have 25 sacks this year, and we're one year removed from the Khalil Mack trade, and we have 25 sacks. So we got the same production for cheaper, saved money. We got more players. I'm done. Raiders won this trade, and I'm not going back to it. Word. Progressive is proud to honor our veterans by donating vehicles to move their lives forward, especially in times of need. This year celebrates eight years and more than 750 vehicles donated. Learn more about their Keys to Progress program and plans for 2020 at keystoprogress.com. Word to the bird. Hey, Murph, real quick. Did you know the bird is the word? Well, that's what everybody's heard about the bird. Bird, bird, bird. Don't you know the word is the word? That's right. Surfing bird. All right. Everybody under the age of 45 just went, what? Exactly. Chaos Raider chimed in that Charles Woodson will be the one to light the flame. That was an interesting prospect prospect from Chaos Raider. That's good. I like it. I like it. I'm a big fan of Chuck. That'd be cool. And and then we got a donation from uh, Pirate1975. He says, for all you car traders and haters, Mahomes, Kelsey, Watkins, Tyreek Hill. Car has questionable. Can we be hopeful fans and watch this grow before firing everyone? Fire everyone at the end of the show, possibly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to the game review. All right, check it out. The Raiders got drubbed uh, in a a just horrible, no good, unfantastic display of chemistry of poise, of quality play calling, of preparation, or whatever. The Raiders lost 4-9, and my instant reaction, you guys can watch it all online, so I don't even have to explain it. I gave my post-game rant where I fired everybody, basically. Now let's get Murph before he does his show this week. Let's get your instant reaction for this drubbing from the Kansas City Chiefs to basically – our season as we're going to talk about in a minute 
Well, I mean, all is not totally lost. I mean, if we if we beat the Titans next week, or the Titans are surging, uh, it's really a game for both their seasons, for both these teams. And we've had, historically, we've played the Titans pretty well, but also, historically, we haven't had to play Ryan Tannehill, who plays the Raiders very well. So, very interesting game coming up. But to go back to the Kansas City game, this one was the heartbreaker for me for this year. And, you know, the Raiders break my heart every year, as they do all of you. Um, there's a moment, you know, it could be Derek Carr getting hurt. It could be whatever. Um, there's a moment through the course of the season where your heart gets broken because you get, uh, you get confident, you get encouraged. And I said last off season that the Raiders have successfully relieved me of the burden of expectation. I was not going to come into this year and expecting anything other than four and 12 or some sort of debacle or some sort but then the Raiders, that, that, that pesky little ex-girlfriend, gave me a little bit of attention, gave us a little bit of attention, showed us that there could be a chance. Oh, there might be a chance. You won three in a row. You're, look at this. Like you, You're going to go on the road, and you're going to play the Jets. who is They're, they're struggling. And then and we crapped the freaking bed in New York. And it was like, whoa, okay, well, hey, look, that was an East Coast game. We had to travel all the way across the country. It was cold and rainy. We took them lightly. We were looking past them because we got the freaking Chiefs coming up, man. We're going to go into Kansas City. Then we're going to go in there. We're going to play the Chiefs. We overlooked the Jets. So let's put put the Jets aside. Come on, here we go. This is for the division. This is our chance to make a statement to the league. This is our chance to to move into first place. This is a chance to show everybody. This is a chance for Derek car to prove to the world that he's not overrated that he is capable that he he can play in cold weather that he can go up there and and show that he's a it's just been a fluke yeah he's 0-4 in Kansas City but man this isn't what's going to define him and then what happened we went in there and that's what god dang defined him and that's what god dang defined the Raiders and that's what continues to define the Raiders that they can't freaking take care of business when the when the business is the biggest, when the season and the entire integrity of the season is on the line, I'm going to curse. Can I say a bad word? The Raiders go in there and shit themselves. Like we've been shitting ourselves in Kansas City since 2012. Yes, 2012, Raider Nation. That's the last time we won in Kansas City. And I didn't even expect them to win. I just expected them to freaking compete and to not embarrass ourselves and to not go in there and commit penalty after penalty, throw pick sixes when you're already down 14, Derek, and freaking not not just miss a field goal, but like kick it to like the freaking cheap seats on the 20-yard line. Like, what the hell, Carlson? Like, I didn't even know you could angle a kick that way. Like, it was absolutely insane to me the way the Raiders went up there and embarrassed themselves. And as a freaking card-carrying, red-blooded member of this, this team's fan base, I was embarrassed. It sucked. It sucks. And I'm so tired and over them sucking when it counts. Like, haven't we had enough... Really, like at what point do we just like, I'm tired of being abused by the Raiders. I'm so friggin' over it. And so once again, the Raiders have relieved me of the burden of expectation. And so I will vent here on this show and I will go on by Wednesday and be just fine. And you know what? We'll talk about the Raiders of the seventies because that's when we were actually good. Uh, thank you for that rant, man. I had my rant yesterday. So thank you very much. Uh, and then you guys are, are seeing the stats on screen that I'm showing to you guys and all that. And again, I don't want to rehash hatred. Uh, 
So I'm going to let yesterday be yesterday. And Murph, you've taught me a lot. Like you said, we're going to take 24 hours and then we're going to be over this. But for right now, it still stinks. Our season was on the line. Um, and I, I call it a season ending game. I mean, because we have to do everything right moving forward. And we've averaged now in a whopping three games, we've averaged eight and a half points, if not a little bit more per game. You know, uh, so that brings just to this, Murph. The headline of the game that I just saw before we did this show is Tyron Matthew from the Kansas City Chiefs. He explained how the Chiefs decoded Derek Carr's and John Gruden's offense. This is what Tyron Matthew had to say how Andy Reid, an excellent coach that prepares for everything. I don't know if that's a dig on Gruden, but um, this is what Tyron Matthew had to say. Carr and the Raiders' pass game was limited all day because the Chiefs knew exactly when they planned to take their big shots. Here's what Tyron Matthew said. The biggest thing is we all knew that when Carr did take shots, they were clearly defined. We understood it was a pre-snap by the formation that we saw, and it puts us in a position to make big plays, Matthew said after the win. The tight ends, the running backs, checkdowns, that's his game, Derek Carr. We were able to capitalize when he did try to throw the, the football downfield plus we knew certain signals. Wow. That explains the pick six and everything. And this game seemed like a shade of the Super Bowl with John Gruden. John Bridge. Gruden's offense is too damn predictable. Too damn predictable, Murph. We have no playmakers. I'm tired of these excuses. These free agents, Zay Jones, everybody we brought on to help out, ain't nothing happening. There's players with chemistry like James Jones or Michael Kraft, whether you like his character or not, or, you know, stuff like that, that could help this team better. But it's, is it Gruden? Is it Carr? Is it the play calling? What is it, Murph, and how do we fix it as soon as possible? Here's another realization that I came to in this past week. And again, I'm not the guy that's, look, I've been patient with Derek Carr. Not that matters if I was or wasn't, but as a fan, I was willing to engage in the, the process, for lack of a better term. Look, it takes time to develop. And he had so many great tendencies. And he had this fire about him. And he got hurt. And then that fire kind of went away. And we don't see the passion and intensity and, and the willingness to create like he used to. I mean, I used to compare him to like Aaron Rodgers in terms of like developing uh, skills. You know, ability to throw on the run and to escape out and, and move and laterally and make people miss. And like Derek had that, that, you know, dynamic game about him. And then it went away. And, you know, I have a big appreciation for John Gruden's West Coast offense. It can work. And we've seen it this year. We've seen it work well. Uh, what I don't understand, and this is where I get crossed up with Derek now and is, and have had this realization over, over the weekend is that John Gruden's offense works. We've seen it work. We've seen it compete and win Super Bowls. 
when John Gruden had the most effective quarterback play he's ever had in his career, it was Rich Gannon, right? And Rich Gannon, post-Gruden, went on to win a Super Bowl MVP in Gruden's offense. And when you think back to when Rich Gannon was running this offense and when Gruden was on the sideline, not Callahan, there was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of interaction, a lot of heated interaction because Rich Gannon was willing to create outside of John Gruden's offense. Correct. Derek Carr is the straight line company man as you can possibly get. Yes. And when there's no fire in him to do it anyth- against Gruden and his offense on occasion, when he doesn't do that, it leads to this give up mentality. And you could see it on the players faces on his teammates and it, their reactions. When Derek throws the ball into the ground on third and whatever, well, and Derek comes out in his press conference and says, well, I was just following what the coaches told me to do. Yeah, well, did Brett Favre do that? You were number four because you were a big fan of Brett Favre. Did you ever see Brett Favre and Mike Holmgren go at it on the sidelines? Yeah, you did. You know why? Because sometimes Brett Favre let his talent and his creativity take over, and that's why he won a Super Bowl, and that's why he played in another one, and that's why he was a league MVP. That's why Rich Gannon was a league MVP. Sometimes you go out there and ball. Be a, Hallelujah, Murph. Be Hallelujah. A, be, a do- be a dog, Derek Carr. Go out there and play. Don't just stay within these perfectly set little lines because that's all you were given and then give up when it doesn't fall into place. Like that's chicken crap, man. I don't understand it. He's got the capability. So either he got himself so hurt and so beat up that he he's afraid. No, you wouldn't say that it's subconscious, but that he, he just doesn't have that intensity about him innately anymore. Or he's just like, well, I'm just going to do what I, what I'm, what I'm told to do. Well, you know what, man? At some point, you gotta let your play take over, and that's the thing that when you look at all the quarterbacks in the league, the things that make them successful is that at some points you just let your talent take over. And look, Brett Favre was no shortage of pick sixes. Brett Favre was no shortage of bad interceptions and all that. But the the, the context of them and the amount of winning that came along with it, it the optics are so much different. So again, to go fast forward to today, when you look at players like you know, even a Dak Prescott, or you look at at at, at, at Deshaun Watson, and you look at these guys and the way that they're they're creating. Look, all I got to I'll say this and then I'll leave it at this. When I watched the the Bills game, the Bills play, when you see Josh Allen play, he's playing a whole different kind of quarterback than what Derek Carr is playing. And he reminded me a little bit of what Derek Carr used to be. That fieriness, that punch to him, that just uh, that willingness to go out there and to take the environment that the coaches create for him, but then extend and build on that. And that's why he was great. And that's why they beat the Dallas Cowboys in their own crib. I don't see that Derek anymore, man. I don't see it in, in, in him anymore. So, you know... I, I don't think it's the coaches. I, I think that the coaches have done a great job. And when you look at the amount of talent available and the way that the rookies are playing, Brenton Buckner, even Gunther, who's much maligned, Greg Olson. Like, I think these guys are doing a good job, John Gruden. I think they're doing fine. It's the, man, I just, it's not all Derek's fault. There's a, there's a team sport to be had, and there's much bigger and, 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 and often things than more than just him. It's not just boiling down to him. But, He's not helping. He's not making anybody around him greater. And again, to go back to those other players I just mentioned, they make the players around them better. 
What is Derek Carr? Who is he making better? And here's the last thing I'm going to give to you, and I'm going to shut up because and I know we've talked a lot about this, and I'm going to go on about it on Raiders Fan Radio on, on Wednesday. Here's the other revelation that I had, Mikey. Not only is he not making the players around him better, but you tell me what's the significant defining thing that Derek Carr does so well that equates or, or at least warrants the salary and the position that he has with the team. Because if, if the answer to that question is that, well, he can run John Gruden's offense, well, so can Case Keenum for like $5 bucks. So what is it that Derek Carr does that warrants his position and the amount of money that we're paying him. What is the thing that he does that differentiates him from the other quarterbacks in the league? Mikey, I don't have an answer. I, I don't know anymore, and I used to, and I don't now. And, and I keep going back to this, Murph, because whenever I make a video ranting about Derek Carr, or you guys would call it hating on Derek Carr, I get a lot of dislikes or hatred, or people telling me to, STFU, and you guys know what that means. I mean, shut the heck up. I can't understand it. I'm talking about not the man Derek Carr as a religious, amazing human being. I'm talking about the football player that I see on the field. That's where radiation as a whole, even you, Murph, on occasion, have given him multiple chances and opportunities. It's because he's an amazing human being and we're equating that to his football skill set and leading a team because he's leading in his religious life everybody else he's leading everybody else to a better emotional promised land but he's technically not doing it on the football field when he needs to so i am no longer going to credit Derek carr the football player because he's a great human being off the field. I'm going to judge him on what I see. And he's scared. He's an insecure person that he wants to be loved by every single person. He's afraid to the trend. He's afraid to throw the ball deep because it's not the players that are going to make the catches. He's afraid to even try. Two years ago, when we had, or three years ago, when we had Jack Del Rio, there's videotape of Derek Carr saying, hey, you know, I don't know if they'll, they'll be open, but I'll, I'll just give them a try. We just got to trust them. We just got to throw the ball. And he says that to Jack Del Rio on the sideline. And Jack Del Rio's like, all right, go for it. All right, go for it. And then that brings me back to the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl victory, where they called the Philly Philly. The quarterback called that play at the biggest moment of the game. And the coach hesitated for like five seconds and said, go for it. Yeah, do it. Because he believed. Gruden, I don't think he's that type of coach. Gruden's got his offense. He's going to make the play calls. You're going to play under my system. You're going to excel. And Derek Carr's like, all right, you're the coach. And that goes back to what you just said that Derek Carr said in the press conference. I'm just doing what the coaches told me. Derek Carr is afraid to buck the trend and to go against Gruden, to go and trust his players because they're not playing good. Derek Carr is afraid to make plays because he doesn't want to make mistakes. And it almost becomes a cop-out. Like when you go, well, I'm just doing what I was told. Yeah, well, so are the Nazis. 
You know what I mean? I'm not comparing Derek Carr to a Nazi, but you know what I'm saying? Like, seriously, like, I'm I'm just following orders. I'm just doing what the coach said. That's a cop-out, man. That's a cop-out. Like, take some responsibility. You know, here's another thing. You brought up Del Rio. Now, look, hey, look, this is going to turn into Derek Carr segment. Just deal with it, Raider Nation. (laughs) So, he, this week, Del Rio came out with a tweet on social media, and he said, because that's where tweets are, social media, Murph. How about that? I'm so smart. Okay, so he came out with a social media post, and he said that Derek Carr struggles in cold weather games. All right, so on the surface, you take that as that's a shot at Derek Carr. Derek Carr in his press conference, because he is getting a little sensitive, as you mentioned, Mikey. Derek Carr in his press response. Derek Carr says, uh, wow, I remember Jack was there for a few of those games. I thought it was a team sport. I guess it's all my fault. And everybody laughed. And I laughed and I thought, ha ha, you go, Derek, you show him, you get him, you get Jack, because I wasn't a big Jack Del Rio fan. Now, that said, here we are one week later or whatever, however much time later after the Raiders go and get their ass whipped after Derek Carr goes out and has this awful game in the cold. Now, I think back to those comments and I think, okay, Jack Del Rio said Derek Carr struggles in cold weather games. That Now, that's a fact, okay? So he wasn't taking a shot at Derek. He was stating a fact. Now, I and I'm not a Del Rio fan. I can't emphasize that enough. I do not like this guy. I think he's a chicken crap person a lot of times. But here in this case, credit where credit is due. He stated a fact. Derek Carr took that as criticism, not as fact. Correct. He took it as criticism and said, I thought it was a team sport. I guess it's all my fault. Now, what does that say? He's being insecure and defensive and essentially what is he doing he's questioning himself and look man i don't care what it is you do in life i don't care if you're an nfl athlete i don't care if you drive a freaking uber i don't care what you do for a living if you start to question that how well you are able to do your job and you no longer have supreme confidence and that what you're doing is the best you're possibly capable of you're gone you're done. It's over. It's You're done. done. It's over. And it, it's like, seriously, like, like you should have like, and I'm not saying you have to be the best player, but you should be the best player you are capable of being. And does Derek Carr have faith in himself that he's capable of being the best player he's possibly capable of being? I don't know what that answer is anymore, because when you listen to those kind of comments, now here we are removed from it. Think about that, Raider Nation. Like, I'm a, I'm a sucker for, like, analyzing the words that come out of people's mouth, because they reveal their hearts. And I think that Del Rio was not misguided and by saying what he said. He stated a fact, and Derek Carr revealed his heart, man. And he's, Mikey, he's on I, the defensive. I, he's on the defensive. He is. And I love this guy. Oh, everything you said. I know. I'm so, I would trust him with my children tomorrow. Like, I love who he is. I love his faith and his dedication and his family and, and his, his ethic and all the things are the best about Derek Carr. But I hate the way he throws the football nowadays. Like, so, and if you can't throw the football well, then you can't be our quarterback. All right, let's go on. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, look, dude, we're bringing up like some some great stuff. Like we're analyzing him and his play on the field, and it's all in his head. Derek Carr is a brain person, just like I am. I'm a, I'm a very weird analytical. My brain doesn't stop. It worries about everybody. Derek Carr, I think he's the same person as I am. And but here's what me my pissed me off about that game and I'm going to end it here. So Derek Carr is on the defensive already because of these facts that have came up before this game. 
and about his career. Um, going to this game, he was afraid. He didn't want to make a mistake. Then early on, because of the predictability of our offense, he made mistakes. But then he continued in that same system or mentality. I'm going to check the ball down, throw four yards behind the line of scrimmage. I'm only going to throw to an open receiver. I'm not going to try to make something happen because I've already messed up the game and I don't want to make any more mistakes. Well, I don't like that mentality. You've already made mistakes. You've proven the, the critics are correct that you throw interceptions. You don't play well in cold weather. We're down by 30 points. Start throwing the ball. That's- Start running. Just try to win the game. I don't care. But no, he stays in the confines of Gruden's system, and he didn't want to air it out because he was afraid he'd throw another interception. He was afraid he'd make another mistake, and he didn't will it to win. Even though we weren't going to win it, will it? Just show your true colors. Now, I think the team is doubting Derek Carr right now. I think the team is doubting Derek Carr. I think for the first time maybe ever. He started to lose because, again, the body language. You can't argue that. And that's, again, that's a fact. That's undeniable. When you look at the way that the players reacted to his throwing the ball into the ground and giving up on the play, they were defeated in their body language. That tells you everything you need to know. And and you're dead on, Mikey, and that goes back again to the Brett Favre thing. Like, yeah, throw a pick in the end zone, but then come back and throw another one. Like not another pick, but I mean, like throw another pass, like take another chance. Like the, the lat, you can't go back and get that play again. You can only make the next one. And that's, I feel I'm with you, dude. Like, I can't even believe I'm saying these things because I've gone against all criticism of Derek Carr for so long because I didn't feel that it was warranted, but now four plus years in, man, it's facts are facts, man. Wins are wins. Production's production. Like, we can look at the numbers, and the numbers don't look that bad, but when did you make these mistakes? Like, at, a, at an absolute minimum, he's a victim of the worst timing in the history of Raiders quarterbacks. Like, yeah, okay, well, he only threw one pick six. Yeah, when you were down 14, driving for in a score. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, yo, well, I only fumbled the ball through the end zone. It wasn't, my, it wasn't my fault. I was just trying to make a play. Yeah, but you did it right before half and gave the ball back and then they scored like it completely changed everything about the game so at a minimum he's a guilty he's he's just a a victim of his own folly like and if that's the case like well sorry you're just bad luck then like i just i don't even know like where to come out on this anymore man i just but i know this that as a fan i just can't continue to fight the fight for him anymore man i can't i can't continue to to stick up for and i and i hate that because i really do again go back and i'm repeating myself now but i just am such a fan of him as, as as a man and what he represents but in terms of playing quarterback man Derek, it's just adam i think here's you know i'll i'll i'm gonna really i'm gonna stop talking this time here's what i think the raiders have to do they have to consider another option i mean they have to consider drafting a quarterback bringing him in to 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 compete for the for the quarterback spot, not have Derek Carr be the announced starter, and push him. And maybe by pushing him, he reverts back to some older form, and maybe the new guy eclipses him and takes over the starting role. But I think that is, if you look at it in terms of like running a business, which is what running an NFL team is, I think that it would be irresponsible for the Raiders at this point to not consider adding 
quarterback competition. That's the minimum that has to happen. I'm not saying run him out of town. I'm not saying make a trade for him. I'm not saying cut him in the offseason. I'm not saying any of that. He might still be our future. But what I am saying is that it's time to push him and it's time to create an additional option for the football team. Publicly consider options during the draft, if not drafting a player. 100%. That's how we fix it. Uh, so that being said, I'm just glad Gruden didn't Ooh. swim under the bus this year. Gruden has been a better human being this year than he was last year, where Gruden, after every press conference, would throw everybody under the bus. This year, Gruden is saying and doing all the right things as best he can. And I'm proud of him. Let's move on to the game preview. Raiders versus Titans in week 14. We are technically still in the hunt for the wild card. Pittsburgh Steelers still lead the final spot in the wild card at um, seven and five. But play teams like Tennessee, Colts, uh, the Texans, they're leading the division above the Titans, are still there. And now we face the Tennessee Titans. Give me your quick preview. Can we win it? Will we win it? What we need to do to win? And give me a prediction. Well, the, the, yeah, I'll go fast. The good news is that we have the Titans at home. The bad news is that the Titans are on a roll. And the worst news for Derek Carr and the rest of the offense is that their secondary is the strength of their football team. It's a good thing that they don't have a pass rush because otherwise the Raiders would be in for an absolute mess of an afternoon. So they have to be able to effectively throw the ball downfield against one of the better secondaries in the league. Uh, and, and here you go, Middle Tennessee, Kevin Bayard represent. Uh, dude is a ball hawking safety. Logan Ryan is an awesome corner. Adoree Jackson is an awesome corner. Kenny Vaccaro. Like you're talking about some serious playmakers in the secondary that we've already shown that a guy like Matthew, what he can do to Derek Carr. Now here you're going to a, to a secondary that's vastly better than the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think that that's ultimately going to define them offensively. Defensively, it's all Derrick Henry, man. Like, you know, Tannehill is the ultimate game manager and does a pretty freaking good job. They got a good offensive line, and they have a beast of a running back. Derrick Henry is no joke, man. And when we see what, you know, running backs have done to us already, and we haven't seen anybody like Derrick Henry yet, I just, you know, those are going to be the two things that we've got to do. We've got to be able to move the ball downfield against that secondary, and we've got to do a good job of at least containing and, and stopping or slowing down. Like, it's the old Dan Patrick line. You can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. Well, I hope big Max Crosby goes out there and contains Derrick Henry, man, because it's going to be a rough afternoon if that guy gets going. Uh, correct. Uh, just quickly, Derrick Henry's a beast. We had a great rush defense previous like eight or nine games but we've fallen down in the stats we're now i don't know the exact but we were like at 13th or 14th in terms of the rush defense going into the chiefs game uh so maybe we're still around that range but derrick henry you know he can definitely exploit a team and then you're right about the secondary i mean the chiefs are worse secondary, as you explained. And now Derek Carr, with his confidence broken, has to go against probably one of the top five secondaries in the NFL. So anything can happen, what will give. But I do see a better performance this week because if the Raiders team didn't know it was all on the line last week's game, they do now at home with a little bit of home cooking. And Raider Nation behind Derek Carr and the team, I see them coming out scoring more than 10 points and I think it's going to be a close game 
But I'm going to be honest with you, Raider Nation. I do not see the Raiders winning. I don't see it. And that's why I hate to make this prediction. I think the Raiders lose 27 to 20. What about you, Murph? Every time I've predicted them to lose, or excuse me, yeah, every time I've predicted them to lose on this show, they've won. So I'm going to say that the Raiders lose. Let's see. We haven't scored a touchdown in how long? Well, I guess we did. We, we missed the extra point. So uh, we've only scored one touchdown the last couple games. So I'm going to say the Raiders lose uh, 34 to 6. And, okay, I'm going to say they get absolutely blown out. I'm going to leave you with this, though, Raider Nation. All that nine hours of crap that I just talked about, Derek Carr and lack of confidence and yada, yada, yada. Look, we got a very winnable four games like the titans are surging titans are playing well but it's a winnable game for the raiders it's at home then you have the jaguars the chargers and the broncos so it's very feasible that the raiders are they're capable of winning these last four games if we were fully healthy i think it would be awesome but when you look at like the chargers are reeling at quarterback they don't know what they're going to do the broncos don't know what they're going to do the jaguars are now starting Minshew again they don't know what they're going to do like if we could put a w down for the titans game the last 3 are way winnable so we've at least so far this year have shown that we're capable of beating the teams we're supposed to beat Yes, we lost to Kansas City. Yes, we lost to Green Bay. Yes, we lost to Houston. Those are the, the Minnesota. Those are some of the best teams in football. So, but we can thump the Bengals. We're like we're close to it. Really, the Jets was the only game that was a very winnable game for the Raiders that they laid down on. So, but these, now we got two at home and we got two in very familiar places, which the Chargers game is essentially a home game for the Raiders. And we always play well in Denver. So, I mean, it's all this business we just got done talking Watch the Raiders win four in a row and end up 10 and six and right in the mix. And then Derek Carr goes out and wins a playoff game for the first time in his career. And then all of a sudden, we all love number four. Like, that's what I hope happens. I really do. I hope positive that Murph has returned. The positive Murph after the rant has returned. Uh, but again, I think we have to win all four games. Tennessee, Jacksonville, Chargers, Broncos to even be considered in that final wild card spot. And um, I don't see us winning versus the Titans because they're on a roll. And um, we're on a debacle, let's just call it that. But I know the home, the final home game will probably be the official get right game for the Raiders, but I'm hoping it's the Tennessee Titans. And you're right. If we can win all four of those games, we might sneak into the playoffs, but we lost to the Texans. And if they're in there in the wild card hunt, they have the tiebreaker. We beat the Colts. If they're there, we own that tiebreaker. Uh, and I don't know the other teams. The Cleveland Browns were in it the other day, and Pittsburgh Steelers is playing pretty decent. So let's just figure out if we win all four games, it's probably going to come down to the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Tennessee Titans, whether they lead the division or the Houston Texans for that final wildcard spot if we win all four games. Yeah, well, if we can beat so, the Titans, we'll have the tiebreaker against them and the Colts. That would be huge. That would be way huge. So, if last win or the last game wasn't a must win uh, for our division, this is the last win for the wild card at worst. But do you see Kansas City? I don't have their record on the team. Do you see Kansas City losing two or three games 
and us winning four and propelling ourselves to the top of the division. Now they have the tiebreaker against us. So it's like having an extra game. So no, this was our right. shot. This was our last, this, that's why it was so disappointing, you know, to go to, to lose in that fashion. And by that margin, that's why it was so disheartening because that was our shot to make noise. And we didn't, we failed miserably. Fantastic. Well, the wild guards on the line. And it is what it is. All right. Thanks to the positivity coming back. Let's bring it to the fun bonus time. That's right. We close out our show with some Raider trivia that we're going to try to get to, plus a fan question. And I'd like to present this. I don't know how long they'll officially be online, but you'll be the one of three proud owners of the Mondays with Mikey and Murph t-shirts that are available in the links below to support my channel or our channel and me and all that we try to do um and i still owe you probably like 30 bucks for you know for the three shirts sold forgive me dude keep it (laughs) but so i just want to let you guys know these shirts are still available and it is the holidays and if you enjoyed today's show and the more um why not wear this while you're at home lounging and watching our show and thank you very much. So there it is, the Mondays with Mickey and Murph MTV logo shirt or our faces can be on your body. We all know that's what you want to do. So my Murph, my boy Murph, I was so proud of you. You went down to watch a Raiders home game and you presented a check for your t-shirt sales. Why don't you explain what you did and then we're going to watch the video of you with Fred Belitnikoff giving a speech. Well, awesome, man. Okay, so yeah, we had a uh, we had an opportunity to raise some money with Raiders Fan Radio and uh, the Murph's Fan Cave Podcast Network this year. And so, with the money that we raised and the money that we generated, we decided we we're going to give it all away. So we decided we were going to give it all away to a foundation. We wanted to partner with a good charity that was Raider related, and so we decided to partner with the Belitnikoff Foundation and buy one hundred percent. Uh, the generosity of Raider Nation through direct donations and also merchandise sales, which was our Get Made t-shirt that we sold this year. Uh, We took all the proceeds, all the money that we collected, and uh, that equated to uh, just about $2,000. And uh, and we gave it away to the Blitnikoff Foundation. And Angela Blitnikoff, Fred's wife, was so kind to invite us to, uh, we attended the event, and she invited us to present uh, the check live on stage at the foundation dinner. And, you know, this was... This was one of the most amazing nights of my Raider life. I've gotten the the good fortune of meeting uh, a lot of Raider players over the years. You know, I've I've, I've met Willie Brown, I've met Lyle Alzado, uh, you know, I've, I've met Jim Plunkett, uh, I've met a handful of of players and and, and coaches and whatnot over the years. Um, but this was literally rubbing shoulders with greatness, person after person after person. Uh, I'll show you some pictures here in a minute. Um, but I met, you know, Raymond Chester. We met, and I say I, it's we. We met Raymond Chester. We met AJ Cole. We met Mark Davis. We met George Atkinson. We met Tom Flores. We met Fred Bolitnikoff, of course. Uh, you know, like this Mervin Fernandez, just like 
player after coach after, you know, I don't know if I said Art Shell yet. Like, I mean, it was just an, an absolutely amazing event. It was the only time, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an actor like you are, Mikey. I, I never walked a red carpet before, but you know, we actually walked a red carpet and, uh, and we're so well received and we're, we were treated like royalty. Lincoln Kennedy is another name that another person that we met, um, you know, and it was just, it was absolutely amazing. And all of it happened because our listeners and members of Raider Nation um, were willing to give by supporting us in this initiative by just you know buying a freaking shirt, and so we went on behalf of of Raiders fan radio uh, you know community and presented this, and and so you know we were just the ones that showed up, but it was all you, it was all of you that 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 enabled this, and I'm just you know incredibly grateful and cannot be thankful enough for the the opportunity that we had, uh, and and again the generosity of the fans, but. Um, the, the, the fans, the listener, Raider fans, you know, <laughs> listeners of our show. Um, but it was just, it was, it was surreal, man. I can't even, I can't even just, fully wrap around it. Mikey. It was just, it was, I mean, I'm literally rubbing say, shoulders I, with, with, people. I'm about to show a video. Okay. Uh, I, I was so proud when I watched this, when I watched it on your YouTube channel, link below, everybody subscribe. He's an amazing dude. They got amazing content. There it is. There's a picture of the gang that went down there. Can you see it at Him all? Him, yeah, him and his boy. It's a little red, but it's all good. Okay. We can definitely shit. Uh, but when you watch this, but you walk onto stage with a grin as a superstar. You are a superstar radio announcer. You walk on stage with a grin, and then your speech was amazing, and then the crowd cheered for you. I have a feeling the crowd cheered for you more than some of the other people that presented because you're a little bit more popular and your face lit up with pride that I have never seen before. And you literally became the head coach of the Raider nation in your speech. There it is. Lincoln Kennedy. And you started giving speech for the ages and you got fired oh, up. And thank let's you, watch Mikey. it. Let's get it going. Check this out. Raider nation. Merch speech when presenting a check to the Fred Belenikoff foundation. Now we've got a special guest we'd like to bring up. Can I please have Murph to the stage? Murph, where you at? There he is. Just so you know, Murph is an avid Raiders fan. He did a radio show where he raised some money and he has a special presentation to Fred and Angela. Murph. Like this, 
business confirms that. And not only are the players and the organization, but greater fans, man. You guys are the heroes. Thank you for being here. Y'all rock the winners! That hug at the end is the best. Look, Raider Nation cheering, Murph. And I'm so proud of that, bro. I'm so proud of that. That was an amazing moment that you've had in your life. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's where you hugged. Getting right a hug from Freddie, man. It was just, it was, it was too. I'm, I'm telling you, Mike. I can't. Here's the. So this is amazing. So they presented us with this plaque, and I don't know if oh, you guys can gosh. read it uh, from the Blitnikoff Foundation Raiders Fan Radio, uh, and it says your uh, support, you, your support and dedication have made all the difference in making the Blitnikoff Foundation a true success. Blitnikoff Foundation, November first, twenty nineteen, and so. Um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's surreal. You know, here's my my co-host Swag. Check this out, Swag Jeff with uh, with Shooter McGavin. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, Jeff. <laughs> that was a gift we made of it. But um, yeah, you know, like uh, look, here's us with with Greg Olson. Um, you know, like it's just it was like person after person. It was like I mean, legend after legend. I think I showed the one of Tom Flores earlier. Here's the one. There's Uncle Mosh, my my yeah, uh, fabulous Touch Uncle Mosh and co-host with with Tom Flores. Uh, no, here's uh here's Uncle Mosh and and uh, and George Atkinson, uh, which was super cool because that was one of his guys as he was growing up in the '70s. Uh, that was one of his absolute favorites. There's a. Uh, Co-host Swag Jeff with AJ Cole. AJ uh, Cole. Our, mm-hmm. our punter. Uh, here's my favorite picture uh, of the weekend, though. I, I put this up on our social media, and I said, uh, my cousin Sonny is who I started our show, Raiders Fan Radio, with. And uh, cousin Sonny was was... I mean, back in 2012, we started podcasting together. He's since taken a hiatus, but uh, since he was, uh, uh, the, you know, kind of the genesis of our show or one of the the brain uh, uh, brains behind it, we invited him to go to the dinner with us, of course, and and uh, and so he attended with us, and it was amazing. And so he sought out Mark Davis, okay, and uh, he he went up to Mark and he said to Mark, uh, "I learned about and became a Raider fan." listening to my dad tell me stories about your dad and the look on Mark Davis's face is absolutely incredible. And when, when he made that comment and that was what like, you know, Mark has gotten his handful of criticism over the years for, for things, but I'm telling you, he's a very genuine guy. And when and it's all about family still to this day, and uh, when, when Sonny said that to him, you can see, you can see the look in his face, like it, it resonated with him and it meant something to him. And so anyway, so just appreciate everybody involved. Here's Art Shell. There's Uncle Mosh and Sonny uh, with the legendary Art Shell. I mean, I got, I got, I mean, I could do this all yeah, night just long. What, what a great, what a great time. I'm so jealous in a good way. And I, I just wanted to share that, you know, with all of our viewers, some viewers that truly have not really realized your channel and everything you're doing they might see this video you guys need to go watch watch his trip he does he does deals in the car with his gang and it's a fantastic time and a fantastic watch can i can i show you one more before we're done before we move off of this yeah i had another so after uh the game uh i had an opportunity to, to meet and talk to darren waller and so this is so this isn't from yeah, the dinner this is from uh from the next day right after the game and Man, what a cool guy! Such an amazing story, and uh, and and appreciated just uh, the the couple minutes I got a chance to kind of chat it up with him. So, and not the, I'm not even talking about the tailgate and the amazing day we had at the game, which was all it's a whole other story. We could do an entire podcast on that, but uh, yeah, thank you, Mikey, for the platform. Thank you for the the acknowledgement of the video, and thank you, Raider Nation, man. It's all you guys, and, and so just thank you so much uh, for the opportunity that you uh, you you blessed us with uh, to represent. And you you did do podcast that, so watch it. His- 
podcast from the previous couple weeks where they talk about that entire trip. I'm a day late because we haven't done a show in about a month or so. Hey, let's quickly go on from great news All right. to bad news. This is called the you're hired, you're fired game. We're going to know players, maybe coaches, and quickly, Murph, we're both going to answer whether we would fire them at the end of the season or basically let them stay on the roster. You ready, Murph? I'm ready. All right. The first contestant in our You Hired, You're Fired game is John Gruden. Hired. Hired as well for me. Doing a pretty decent job. The next contestant is defensive line coach Buckner. Hired. Definitely the way they've been producing with Max Crosby, now that Arden Key is on, uh, yeah, I would say there's some magic happening. He's hired for me. The next contestant is, I believe that special teams coach, Rich Basaccia. Hired. Okay, that's for Buckner. I got the picture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sucker for self-promotion here, Mike, if you haven't noticed. It's all good. I just, all right. It's our Not show, hard. man. We get, we get this amazing opportunity to meet all these awesome people. I'm just, I can't be shy to share it, man. It's so freaking cool. It's a <laughs> fan's dream, coach. man. It's a fan's dream. Again, I love it, and I'm jealous AF of you. Trust me. Uh, Richard, uh, special teams, Rich Basaccia. Yeah, hired. He's awesome, man. Well, there's a little bit of breaking news that I haven't verified, so give me, but I believe Trevor Davis was released today. True, because we uh, brought Markel Lee off of IR. Okay, so that's a special teams non-standout that is gone. But I would fire special teams coach Rich Basaccia. We lost a draft pick for picking up Trevor Davis. He didn't pan out. And they don't have any special teams uh, kick turns of over 30 yards this entire season and no punt return over 15 yards this entire can, season. Hold on, it, it though. Can you... Can you can you blame that on him, or is that because of the uh, injury to Dwayne Harris? I don't care. Either way, the coach makes something happen, make some adjustments. You know, in my my mind, players like Hunter Renfro, or I don't want him to get injured, but play certain players that have speed should have been tested out and all that. No, but they finally put Richard in after the Trevor Davis debacle in the last game. I don't know. I, I would fire him, Murph. That's just for me. Okay. All right. The next, the next contestant is Tom Cable, the offensive line coach. Hire or fire? Everybody next wanted year. to fire him in the offseason, but everybody wants to hire him now because all of a sudden, again, 18 sacks versus 51 sacks. Thank you, Tom Cable. Yep. I was definitely in the fire category, but now that he's got some toys to play with and Derek Carr is basically standing on his feet most part, Kelly throws the ball away because he's scared. Tom Cable is hired for next season in my point of view as well. Next contestant is Greg Ols, the de facto offensive coordinator. Uh, this guy is like pretty much my best friend now because now this is twice I've got to rub shoulders with Coach Olson. And when we met him and talked to him at the Blitnikoff Foundation dinner, I'm like, seriously, like he looks like he could be kind of a hard ass. Not at all. Like he's the nicest guy in the world. And I think he's doing a pretty good job, man. Like, you know, he's he's more quarterback coach than he is offensive coordinator because we all know John is the offensive coordinator. But when you look at the, despite all the, you know, 
play of Derek Carr. This guy's not the reason for it. So, no, I think Greg Olson's awesome. I like Greg. Uh, for every reason you just spoke about, I would fire his butt now. Why? Because he's the de facto coordinator. He's a yes man. You said he's a very nice guy. He'll do anything you say. He sounds like a yes man. Then you, he's basically like you expect. He's a quarterback coach. And what is Derek Carr doing this year? He's not getting better. And he's going back into his shell. And Greg Olson does not seem to be the answer for Derek Carr this reason. In his rookie year, him, Greg Olson, and Derek Carr had chemistry beyond belief. But in Gruden's system, I don't know what had happened. Greg Olson is not able to coach again under John Gruden in this system. Therefore, I would fire him and find another not yes, man, another man that would challenge Gruden on occasion because I don't think Greg Olson does it enough. All right. The next contestant is, <laughs> is, is the defensive coordinator, the Bengals guru that has never had a top 10 defense in his entire NFL career, Paul Gunther. There he is, the man himself, Greg Olson. <laughs> Higher or higher, Paul Gunther I next like, season. I like Paul Gunther, man. It's not his fault that Jonathan Abram blew up his shoulder. You know what I mean? It's not his fault that Lamarcus Joyner got hurt. It's not his fault that that these things have happened. You know that Vontez Burfick speared a guy and took. You know what I mean? And got suspended. Like when you look at the things that Paul Gunther has done with the talent that he's had available to him, like he's not the problem again i don't uh, there's not going to be one of these coaches that you're going to flash up here that i'm going to say fired on i think that all of them considering the talent that's available to them have done a pretty good job so no keep gunther i mean i see your point if we're trying to build a foundation we cannot have the turnaround i understand what you're saying but again I don't think we're getting better i feel like we're getting worse and then you can say well we got injuries Injuries can no longer be an excuse for the free agents, the linebackers, the players they pick up to try to go into his system. Is he fitting his system around the players we've drafted, or is he trying to make them conform to his system? I don't think he's a coach that will bring in players and build a defensive system around the talent of the players. Therefore, I wouldn't want him on my team moving forward because we are one of the worst defenses in the NFL every year. And that being said, hashtag fire Paul Gunther. Um, the next contestant is nobody. There it is. It's the you're hired, you're fired game. I don't think there's another contestant. Nope, there it is. There it is, Murph. Boom. Boom. There it is. We were going to get to Raider trivia, but the show went a little bit long. I got somebody coming over at six o'clock. I got to prepare for basically people are going to look at the house and try to buy it from underneath me. So I got the realtor bringing people by at six. So I got to get going. I got to make them feel not welcome. <laughs> You're like Beetlejuice, man. Like you got to try to run them off, right? It's true. It, it, those, those are my rights. Well, what a fantastic Mikey juice, show Mikey juice, Mikey juice. Mikey Juice, Mikey Juice, Mikey Juice. Hey, aren't they making a remake of Beetlejuice? I don't know. Are they? I don't. Is it th- Tim yeah, Burton still around and doing relatively well? So why would they remake a Tim Burton movie? All right. Uh, quickly, I wanted to get back to the donation from 
Joshua Hughes, he asked a question that I wanted to get to. He asked, um, what did you think about John Gruden and how he spoke about Derek Carr in the press conference after the game? What did you think? Um, again, I was proud of Gruden for not throwing anybody under the bus when he could have easily done it. You know he was mad, and he was upset at the mistakes and the decisions Carr made. Uh, he's never going to blame himself, uh, but he did. He did blame himself in that press conference, and he doubled down on saying Derek Carr's a great quarterback and to keep Derek Carr's confidence up. So I was proud of John Gruden. Do I like it? No, I'll leave it to the fans and everybody else to degrade Derek Carr, but you don't want it from his coach for now. Totally agree. I thought it was very professional the way that it was handled. Uh, I don't think that it that it was there was no shots taken, and it's unnecessary to do that. You got four games left. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to run this guy under the bus and like ruin him? Like when you got four, you got, like John Gruden still gets paid to win football games, so you can't just crush your quarterback in a press conference. That would be stupid. You know what I mean? So I, I agree. One hundred percent. Murph, let everybody know about your channel once again, and then give a closing statement. Anything you want to say, anything that's on your mind about anything, and let's do this. All right, appreciate all the, the support and the love. Uh, you could subscribe to us in a couple of different ways. YouTube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave. That's M-U-R-F-S Fan Cave. Please subscribe to our YouTube feed and look at us uh, as we go live on Wednesday nights uh, when we do Raiders Fan Radio Live. And if you don't get a chance to see us there, then please subscribe to the Murph's Fan Cave Podcast Network. We have a multitude of shows which get you um, Raiders Fan Radio, our flagship show. It gets you this show, the audio version of Mondays with Mikey and Murph. It gets you the Fan Club Blitz. Uh, that is a fan club show where they talk to other Raider fan clubs and other fan clubs from other teams. Uh, they 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 talk to other clubs around the nation. And then also Tales from the Nation, where we look back at significant moments uh, within Raider history, and we kind of dissect them and really break into uh, the, the details and the minutia. If you're a Raider nerd, like if you really like to get into like the details of things like the Heidi game or um, you know Black Sunday or whatever, and you want to get into like the details of what happened in those moments, then that's what the show for you. So definitely uh, support us in that way. All those shows are on the Murph's Fan Cave Podcast Network. Please subscribe to us and support us there. Yep, check it out down below. All right, that being said, I wanted to thank everybody, our moderators, everybody that was online in the chat room. We don't um, really go over the chat room 100% because I have a lot of screens up. I can't see it. So, But I always read it. Yeah, after the show, we go back and, and read it. Some great content from you guys. Much respect, but I do have it up, and I wanted to give thanks to the few people that I mentioned: Mean Five One Nine, Big Easy, Big Moderators, Darth Vader Raiders, Curtis Flores, Desert Raider, Joshua Hughes, Chaos Raider, Pirate Nineteen Seventy Five. Everybody that donated to keep me alive nowadays, I one hundred percent thank you. And if I can give a closing statement for everybody that has been waiting for the Mondays with Mikey and Murph, I one hundred percent I need to do this as people tell me to, but I will because that's what's my heart. I want to apologize for not being as professional as I should be and be on your network or on your YouTube every Monday with an amazing person like Murph, Talking Raiders. I haven't been able to do it emotionally, physically, mentally, and I've lost a little bit of passion for a lot of things in the time of turmoil but i was proud to be back today and hopefully i can get you guys at least three or four more shows 
before the uh, season officially ends. And I'm proud to have you back. And I'm proud to be back, Murph. And I love you, brother. Love you too, Mikey, man. Glad to be back. And, uh, you know, life takes precedent. You know, life is life needs to be handled first before we go play podcast or, you know, YouTube show or whatever. So, uh, absolutely. I know that many of you have supported Mikey and please continue to do so extend him some grace as we kind of, uh, you know, work through, uh, some of the challenges that he has outside of, uh, you know, doing these things and just, uh, you know, send, send your love, man, send your support, send the positive vibes, the prayers, all that stuff, man, send him his way. And, and thank you, man. And, and hopefully we can knock out a few more of these. And if we don't, Raider Nation, we'll keep up with you, man. Uh, still follow the channel. Check me out, the Murph Fan Cave stuff. Like, we're going to have stuff coming at you as we can. And uh, and we'll, we'll fit Mondays with Mikey and Murph in there as many times as possible, we promise. 100% well said. All right, Murph. You didn't have to wrap this week. Nope. The, going, the going theme is that once the Raiders beat the Chiefs, you have to wrap on the show, and you avoided that for what an eighth year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll be rolling into twenty twenty, waiting for me to spit bars, as the kids say. Oh my goodness! Hey, will you wrap if we get the playoffs? Ooh, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. there it is. Okay, you guys heard it. Murph will wrap in the intro if the Raiders make the playoffs. So let's get out those positive vibes. Let's will it to happen and make the playoffs so we can hear worth worth a uh, tongue tongue garbage <laughs> so we can hear murph rap and you're gonna write it down you're actually gonna write a rap okay you have to well swag jeff my co-host uh, swag jeff and the uh, one and only uncle mosh said that they will help me write the rap so uh yes no this will be there, there, there's i don't have the mad skills that you do mikey i can't just go off the dome and just come over here and just like like rap over a beat that will never happen so it's got to be premeditated and those guys promised that they would help me write it and those two guys are amazingly creative and and so talented at that kind of stuff and so i'm gonna fully trust what they come up with and i will be glad to perform it dance monkey dance and that's me old murph up here just you know banging cymbals and rapping there it is you guys heard it if the raiders make playoffs murph is gonna rap that'll be a great show let's get on out of here thank you all for tuning in and i'm pretty sure we'll see you next monday after a great victory versus the titans this has been Mondays with Mikey and Murph. We talked their car and Raiders dirt. We had a fantastic post-Thanksgiving show. We are Raiders for life. Let's go. This has been Mondays with Mikey and Murph. We're out of here. We'll see you next week. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com.